Hey everyone, Logan here. I wanted to mention something before we get started with this week's episode. You may remember Ryan Hewer and his company Little Red Dog Games from episode 21 of the Indie Insider podcast. Well, he spoke with us at length about his new project, Deep Sixed, in that episode, and that game is actually getting a Kickstarter campaign that goes live today. I highly recommend checking out our interview with him to see what his new game is all about, and then head on over to Kickstarter and support the husband and wife duo's new game, Deep Sixed. One other quick thing I wanted to mention. Our guest this week, Anne McLaughlin, is here because she was recommended to us by a fan, Simon. So if you have a specific indie game, developer, or professional that you'd like to see on the show, shoot me an email at logan at blackshowmedia.com and I'll try and get them on. Anything is possible. Oh, and thank you to Simon for the recommendation. Welcome to Indie Insider, presented by Blackshell Media. This is the weekly show where we talk with video game developers and professionals about their stories, their advice for others, and their thoughts on the indie video game industry. I'm Logan Schultz, and on today's show, I sit down and talk with Anne McLaughlin, also known as The Happy Cat. Anne manages a YouTube channel and Patreon, where she shares game development videos, tutorials, and vlogs on the life of an aspiring software developer. We chat at length about managing a Patreon, developing an audience and community around your content, and Anne's current favorite topic, artificial intelligence. As always, if you have thoughts, questions, or ideas on what we should do next, shoot me an email at logan at blackshowmedia.com. You can also find the most up-to-date news on the Indie Insider podcast on Twitter by following at Logan A. Schultz. And now, the happy cat herself, Anne McLaughlin. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Indie Insider, and today I am talking with the happy cat, Anne McLaughlin. Anne, how's it going? Hey, how are you? It's going good with me. (laughs) I'm doing all right. Uh, It's a Monday evening, so my week is kind of just getting started, uh, as I imagine yours is as well. You've been pretty busy, it seems like, just, uh, you know, following you on social media. What's keeping you so busy right now? Yeah, I guess I really am. In my last video, I made one on productivity and people were like, should we be listening to someone talking about productivity who doesn't upload (laughs) frequently (laughs) enough? (laughs) Um, No, it's just I've been working on YouTube. I've been working on my own development projects. I work full time as a software engineer with a busy job. And then also I'm really trying to you know, make time for fun hobbies and interests that don't necessarily have like a career goal in mind. Like sure, of course, camping, hiking, all that. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, I was. So you and I, um, as of a few minutes ago, are friends on Twitter. Um, I just saw that, but <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> but I actually I, I was checking out your Twitter account just a little while ago, and I saw some pictures of foxes. Is that right? You were out hiking and you know checking some of that stuff out. Yeah, this past weekend I was in the San Juan Islands, which are off the coast of Washington. So if you go north of Seattle, you can drive your car onto a ferry that'll take you to these islands, and they're very cool. I've been in Alaska, and there are parts of the coastal part of Alaska that are very kind of touristy like they're almost built for cruise ships this was like the opposite of that where it felt very um natural and not super glamorous so yeah we found wild foxes off of a hill next to a beach uh with their babies just in rabbit holes it was just so it felt like you were in a nature documentary (laughs) I don't know I've never (laughs) 
seen that. No, that sounds incredible. What a cool trip. And like yeah. you said, it's kind of cool that you, you're finding some time for some fun, some extra things that aren't career oriented. So good for you. Yeah, I think sometimes, uh, you know, it's easy to get trapped thinking, oh, everything I must do must be for some project or some future investment. But it's good to relax. Right. Absolutely. Well, you are a very busy person with your you know, career and your endeavors. Um, but for those who might not know, you, um, as I said, kind of go by the happy cat uh, mm-hmm. and you maintain a YouTube channel and you actually work on a bunch of different projects. Why don't you tell myself and the audience, you know, some of what you do? Yeah. So um, I have a YouTube channel called the happy cat and it's, I guess the main focuses are game development, sort of to a general audience. Uh, I try to make videos that are both for people who are like, I have absolutely no background in game development. I'm just kind of interested to see how things work. And then I also try to give some in-depth stuff like, okay, if you know how to program, let's make some AI systems, something a little bit more in-depth. So it's been some work balancing that. Um, And then I also... I'm currently working on um, some game dev projects. I don't want to talk too much just for um, like not getting expectations up uh, as things are actually... Com- <laughs> I will only say things when I feel like uh, like 90% confident that it'll be totally done. Um, right, sure. So I'm working on that. And then, yeah, other than that, I'm busy with you know full-time work. And uh, I have some new projects coming up with the happy cat as well uh but for this month i'm just focusing on trying to get some weekly videos out for a new series on uh we're doing pathfinding this month so i'm hoping to upload more frequently too okay okay great well tell me a little bit about you as a person how did you end up uh you know starting Mm -hmm. your own youtube channel teaching others about game development and how do how do you uh, get into the industry at all? Where does that where does that story start? Yeah, so I was in college at the University of Illinois in computer science, Excellent. and I remember having a lot of I guess what you call imposter syndrome, where you're kind of comparing yourself to people and you're wondering what am I doing here? Do I know? I don't know what's going on, and. Um, There were things where I started to realize everyone was sort of pretending they knew what was going on when really no one did. Like everyone was (laughs) pretending they were masters of a subject you clearly cannot be a master of at like 19 years old. Of course. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I wanted to, I got the idea to start a channel um, that would teach at least programming in a way that I wish it was taught to me in a way that wasn't... um, I guess, focused on the ego that was willing to just say, yes, you may ask a stupid question. Um, So that was where it started. And then I was also really interested in game development. But I came from a school that was very, I guess, academic and theoretical. And you had a lot of people moving on to like Google and Facebook and Microsoft and more of these huge tech companies, Silicon Valley. But there weren't, even thinking back, there were a lot of people who, of course, were interested in games, but not a lot of people who wanted to go into the industry. Uh, So that's where I really felt like, okay, uh, I have foundations of CS theory, but I really need to invest a lot of my own time to learn the skills for game development. So that's where also I wanted to do the channel to have something to really invest uh, those skills into. Okay. 
So it kind of works both ways. I mean, you're, you're helping others out, but it's kind of a way for you to hone your skills and, and I guess maybe motivate yourself a bit too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, at first I never really, um, to be honest, I never really expected to grow as quickly as it did, I guess, in the past year. Um, initially, I just started making little videos explaining how stuff in the Dark Souls series worked. I was like very into that game and there's a lot of uh, YouTube channels that made content about only Dark Souls. Like their whole channel is just Dark Souls. And I got really into, oh, okay, I could explain how pathfinding algorithms work because there's this pathfinding glitch where all the enemies started jumping off cliffs. Or I could show how uh, networking works because there was all of this weirdness to try and connect to a specific person in the first Dark Souls game where you had to look through IP address pools and things like that. Uh, So that's where I got started too, just kind of having fun with games I liked and then um, just kind of went from there with whatever I was interested in. Sure, yeah. And I mean, so how old is the YouTube channel at this point? Uh, Let's see, it's 2017 now. It's like, I think, two or three years old. Yeah. So not that old, but I mean, you've been doing this for a while now. Um, Yeah. You know, I see, I mean, you've surpassed the 100,000 subscribers mark um, by a bit at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, you're you're getting a decent amount of views every time. You, You seem to have a fairly connected and engaged audience. What does that feel like? Yeah, I think, um... There's a pretty good community. That's uh, something I've really tried to foster Uh, for a little bit. We also, like, I tried to create uh, game challenges where we'd all kind of make a game in a month, and then I'd post a video, like, giving feedback on everyone's projects, because pretty much if you took the time to make it, I wanted to make sure that you got featured. And I feel like... I don't know. We also have a pretty tight-knit Discord chat, and I feel like everyone's uh, really helpful even to each other, uh, which is really my goal from the start, for people to talk about programming uh, and game development in a way that feels non-threatening and totally uh, chill. Yeah, you mentioned you had a a Discord chat, so you actually stay pretty engaged with your audience, and it seems like there really is like an active community of people that that kind of all are, are working together that's fantastic mm-hmm. yeah so tell me a little bit about uh, where patreon comes in so you you have a, a patreon right now mm-hmm. um how how did that come about um and how is, has that been positive has that been negative uh, for the support of your channel and your work yeah patreon is a really interesting platform <laughs> i guess i have a, a lot of thoughts about it in general. Uh, For me, I really, I guess I view it as a tip jar. Uh, Like, I only have $1. I don't have any other tiers. And in fact, if I could do it like Humble Bundle, where you could even pay like a penny or like 25 cents or something, I would do that. Because to me, it's just, um, I don't, I guess I don't view the YouTube side of things as like my career like I don't view myself as a filmmaker it's more of like programming and development is sort of the craft that I try to hone and then YouTube is like a form of social media so if you want to leave a tip for whatever reason that's just one more um choice I guess um I guess 
like when it came to deciding how you want to operate it, uh, I you I was looking around at several other ones and uh, I don't know. There's there's certain things where I wouldn't want to charge people to, for example, like have their name in my video or have a Skype chat or something like like that. It just that felt a little bit like I don't I don't know if people would be disappointed with that. <laughs> okay, no, that's fair, but it seems like you know, Patreon really seems to be built around for you, uh, just expanding that community, finding another way to connect with that community. And that, that seems fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's where the $1 mark is, uh, what gets you the access code to the discord chat. And it's not so much to close things off. It's, but I found that it's helped things a lot because I've been a part of other Discord chats that feel like almost like a Twitch chat where it's like just this wall of constant text and you can't discuss anything. So I feel like those are definitely the people that really want to be there. Sure, absolutely. And and I imagine that helps just kind of keep a positivity around your community as well. I mean, who has the time for, you know, uh, I guess negative you know, people people who are negative without uh, constructive feedback, I guess mm-hmm. I should say. Um, and I imagine as a, as a content creator of any sort, uh, that's something you have to run into from time to time. But it seems like you're finding ways to, you know, manage that in some aspect. Yeah, it's, it's funny with like, because I've been, I guess, an avid YouTube viewer for a very long time. And you always hear about, you know, people reading negative comments or things that have happened where people are, you know, causing kind of chaos. And it's funny now that I'm on the other end where it's just like, it's it's just where you think, why, why did someone come up with that in their head and think, I'm going to go to the text box, I'm going to scroll down, <laughs> I'm going to type that out, and I'm going to press enter and then see, see what happens. I don't know. I just find it so, so funny, the things that some people come up with and <laughs> take the effort to write and not even mean things just like why why are you why did you take the time to type that (laughs) (laughs) i know exactly what you mean yeah Um, (laughs) i I really really do so uh and here's my next question for you um as a content creator as a as a creative person how do you decide uh what you're going to build content on i mean i imagine it's probably some feedback from you know your discord and from your audience but um you know like you mentioned you're working on pathfinding this month videos on Mm -hmm. you know pathfinding and designing games how do you decide what you're going to do next and how do you find you know what interests you and what inspires you i think one reason why my videos take a long time is because usually i code examples from scratch because i think the best evidence is when you can run something in front of people rather than, uh, you know, kind of having hand wavy explanations without that hard evidence right there. Sure, so sure, sure. I try to, yeah, so I try to come up with things that I know I feel confident that I can code and that I can explain. And then the one piece of advice, if anyone wants to start a YouTube channel that's educational, I guess, in any way, is to take what you know and then teach like one notch down. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Because it's one thing to teach. 
I guess, like, let's say your friend is like, hey, can you help me study for a test? And you give them some kind of, like, decent explanation, and they're like, okay, I get it. Uh, but that doesn't really work on the internet, where you have a ton of people that are going to go, hey, wait, what? You just skipped over that, or you didn't really say anything. Um, yeah, so I, so I guess to answer the question succinctly, uh, I look for things that I know I have a decent knowledge base where I feel confident that even if I have to research a bit, that I could make it in code. <laughs> sure, that makes sense. And that kind of goes back to what you were saying about uh, tr making these videos and, and teaching other people the way you always wish you had been taught, mm -hmm. uh, because that's the way you learn. So that makes a lot of sense, finding a way... Um, to show people as much as you can uh, and throughout that whole process. That makes a lot of sense to me in the way that I learn as well. You mentioned that you don't really see YouTube or the content creation as your, um, as your career or your, you know, your, your main gig, perhaps, if mm -hmm. I can say that. Um, but that really actual software work development, um, that is kind of where you are at, where you think you're going to you know, make your living, make your name for yourself. Uh, is there anything you can tell us about that? You kind of mentioned that you had some projects you didn't want to, you know, uh, throw out there too early, but is there anything you can tell us about, you know, what you do with your days? Yeah, absolutely. I guess, um, so like at, at my day job that I met um, full time, I work with like distributed systems, large-scale web services, stuff that I would say um, I'm kind of grateful to have this experience at like such a large scale because it's totally different than what you would do as an independent developer. Like you just can't have the same experience uh, without like a huge amount of data coming in. Um, so that's on the one hand, I do that. On the other hand, um, yeah, so I'm working on uh, a game project right now. And it's definitely, I think things have become much easier now that I've decided like this is for my sort of creative fulfillment and I definitely want to release it to people. But I think I was able to let go of a lot when I said, when I told myself, okay, this project, you don't have to, you know, rush to get it in within the next like X number of months or years or whatever, because once you do that, you'll just be on to the next thing. So it's a project that I'm really trying to take my time on, really learn um, at least the basics of how to get the art and the music and the programming and writing all working together. So I spend a lot of my time on that lately. This is something I don't know about you. Have you released a game before? Nothing uh, official, just little tiny small things and things through okay. the YouTube channel, yeah. Sure, and that makes sense. But so this project that you're working on will be big for you. This would be kind of your first real foray into, um, I guess, kind of indie development, as it were. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, this is sort of... I don't know, my my grand test to myself. And I think that's where when I'd word it like that in my head, I'd kind of freeze up and be like, okay, I need to, um, you know, I'd put a lot of pressure on myself. And that's where I'm trying to let go of those kind of fears and just say, you know, just get something out that I like and that I think, 
you know, other people will like. I think the best piece of advice I heard was to think of something really specific that you would like as if like whether it's like, you know, if you're writing a novel or making a game or a movie, whatever, think of something that like would have been made almost eerily specifically for you and then try to make that thing, something that you like so much. Um, so that's that's what I'm trying to do, something that I really, really like and I hope others would too. That's excellent. Well, I hope that goes well for you. And I hope that when the time comes for you to release that game, you will come back on the show and you will tell us all about it. All right. Absolutely. Excellent. Great. Uh, Here's my next question for you. The happy cat. Where does that name come from? (laughs) Yeah, it's um, that was honestly just my name that I used all throughout um, my years, I guess. And so that's where my YouTube channel at first was one of those personal channels that just had random videos on it. Um, But then I guess it kind of evolved. And as I thought about it, um, I guess it evolved into sort of like a message of positivity, I guess. Um, Some of my videos, I think in my description, it says I talk about game development, uh, writing, and uh, being happy. Because some of my videos will just kind of go off into like, like my thoughts on, um, you know, I guess, I guess just life and being uh, fulfilled and all of that. Yeah, I actually see on your channel, you sometimes update a vlog as well, mm-hmm. every once in a while. Um, do you get pretty decent feedback on that from your community that you've built? Yeah, I would say, weirdly enough... Uh, some of those more, I, I wouldn't even call them personal. I guess some of those more interpersonal videos have actually gotten more views and feedback than my regular content. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> just things that I guess people can relate to, like, you know, comparing yourself to others, getting stressed out. Um, yeah, things like that. Sure. I mean, that's, I can understand why though. I mean, that's something that, you know, all of us go through. We all think about those things. We all struggle with different things at different times. And, you know, having another, uh, you know, aspiring game developer, software developer uh, out there who's talking about these things and sorting through these things, I can totally see why people would connect with that. And uh, uh, actually, one thing I wanted to bring up is that uh, part of the reason why I found you initially is because you were um, a requested guest. We had somebody, an audience member, reach out to oh, us cool. and request you to come on the show. Um, at, uh, a gentleman named Simon, um, who said he thought you'd be a great guest and that you're super sympathetic. Um, and that uh, just resonated with me. So I thought that, you know, I, I can totally see why people would connect with somebody like you, a super sympathetic person who's, uh, you know, I guess expressing what you're going through and what others might be going through as well. Um, I just think that's great. So yeah, good for you for uh, for doing all of that. Yeah, that's really cool, actually. Um, <laughs> I guess I think if I think if it were me, I wouldn't necessarily subscribe to a channel that's constantly giving you life advice. But it's nice, I think, when um, people you enjoy watching occasionally bust out some real talk (laughs) (laughs) sure that makes sense yeah yeah because it's like you've built 
I mean, once again, I still watch YouTube videos all the time. It's like you've built this sort of uh, one-sided camaraderie with the person. And so sometimes it's nice to hear, oh, this person that um, I respect or just enjoy has something to say on something I'm feeling. That makes a lot of sense. Um, well, one other question that I wanted to jump back to, we were talking about the Patreon. Um, you yeah. said your Patreon's a little unique um, in that it's kind of more just for developing your community and, and connecting with people. Um, but you do have goals. Um, so mm -hmm. one of your goals, as I'm just looking at the page right now, was to get a quality setup with a tripod and lighting. And you actually wrote on here that you purchased that equipment and you will be starting uh -huh. a happy cast and upcoming podcast mm -hmm. style show. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? Is that something new that's coming up that's exciting you, something you're working on right now? Yeah, definitely. It's something that, uh, once again, don't want to get expectations up till it's like actually out and released on the channel. Um, but I wanted to start a podcast Um my boyfriend is a data science working with natural data scientists working with natural language processing. So as a part of his job, he reads tons of research papers and tries to make sense of them and like implement based off of them. And I'm really interested in that. And we're both really interested in AI. So um, I wanted to make a show where maybe uh, we could dig through some research papers on AI and game development and really try to understand what's going what's going on there uh, because that's where new systems are happening. I think one of my greatest passions is how AI uh, can create new experiences in games. Um, I think sometimes we see similar gameplay systems over and over and I think there's a uh, potential to have sort of new genres that have literally never been seen before. <laughs> so that's something that I want to get into and, and we can kind of step mm -hmm. into the second part of the show. Um, and thank you, by the way, for, for walking us through, you know, who you are, Anne, and, and the work that you do, your YouTube channel and, and all of that. Um, but mm -hmm. before we get too far away from it, um, to, to reference what you were just talking about, what do you think about video games right now? It seems like you know, maybe you think that things are a little stagnant, that we have the opportunity to be creating more uh, in, in, in different mm -hmm. ways, different genres. Um, would you expand on that just a little bit? Some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think on the one hand, we have tools that are accessible to pretty much everyone. If you really want to learn how to make a game, uh, you can. You have you have the tools to do it. It's just a matter of time and hard work, I think. So on that on on one hand, I think that's awesome, and we're seeing so many creative ideas. On the other hand, um, I think sometimes you see similar genres pop up, or you see a lot of oh, it's like this game but with this twist. Right. Um, and I think that. Of course, you have to do that. Uh, everything, everything that's uh, good is kind of based off of a lot of work that's been done previously throughout history. Sure. Um, yeah, but I think there's a lot of really exciting possibilities. Like, for example, one of my favorite examples is the AI in um, Alien Isolation. 
how real that felt and how there really was a lot of effort put into that experience and making it feel like it was learning and not just having a predictable, oh, first it checks under the table, then it walks in its walk cycle, you know, where you can just memorize what it's doing to try to sneak past it. Um, And I think it's difficult because people still really love traditional genres. So there isn't, I guess, huge, maybe economic incentive for AAA companies to invest in AI research that may not even come to fruition or be enjoyed by players. But I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, And I guess the problem with then bringing that to an indie project is then you're adding a lot of extra effort when it's already very hard to make any indie project. Right, sure. (laughs) Well, that's an important thing to consider, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Is the limitations therein, but that's where you're... You know, your creative projects are the people that are willing to take more risks, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they're not necessarily willing to completely scrap everything we know and love about Call of Duty because what they're making is selling. So so I I definitely understand that. But in your mind, uh, what is the future of AI? It seems like something that is interesting to you right now, artificial intelligence in, in video games. What does that look like in the future? Yeah, that's like a very huge and interesting question that I'm probably not qualified to truly answer. (laughs) But um, I guess so like right now, the hot thing is VR um, and augmented reality. And I think there's a ton of potential there. But um, that's kind of a visual shift, right? It kind of gives you a different sense of place. But in the end, the logical systems powering that are still going to be somewhat the same uh i think i think that's just that's just different i'm not saying vr is worse than uh what what i'm interested in right i think yeah i think with an amazing ai you could make a game that's played out of like the command prompt you know like if you had a really um interesting generated narrative for example where yeah you don't even you don't even need fancy graphics or anything like that uh, but as for the future of AI in games, um, yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting and huge question. I think I just saw a talk um, at GDC where uh, the conclusion essentially was that you have emergent gameplay. So games like, you know, think of sports games, competitive games, where it's there's no story there, but it's your gameplay moments that are kind of the story. Like, oh, did you see that amazing move that we pulled off? And there's sort of infinite uh, possibilities for how that gameplay can happen. Then on the other side, you have linear games that have a very set story and beats they want you to hit. And I mm-hmm. think uh, a huge application of AI in games can be bringing those two together where you maybe have these um, narrative beats sort of set up but the way you can get to them um, can be, you know, nearly infinite. So I, that's something I'm really interested in, narrative generation. Sure. Is that something that is specifically you want to work on in the future? Um, I think so. I think there's a lot of really interesting stuff happening right now. And um, I think I think it would be really cool to think about Uh, designing that kind of experience. You're totally right in that 
the games that we have now, sometimes it feels like we kind of just are getting more of the same. Uh, but I see what you're saying about, you know, advancing some of the technology that we have and some of what we are capable of, specifically in the realm of AI, to, uh, I guess, kind of meld things together in new ways, create something that is more, um, that has more emergent gameplay, uh, that, you know, is, is a little more fluid, but still kind of takes you through these narratives, these stories that these developers want to tell. Um, I don't know. It's, I'm not sure of the right question to ask, but it's, it's definitely something that's fascinating to me, uh, as well. And, and, you know, obviously to you as somebody who understands more of, you know, the behind the scenes look at, you know, what it really takes to get to that point. Yeah, I think, um, I think one good example of this that didn't even need, I guess, super complicated AI was the sandbox that was created in Breath of the Wild. Uh, I felt like the first maybe like three to five hours especially were just really well designed where even though you were in an open world, uh, you felt like things were set up to kind of teach you how the world worked in a very natural way. And so that's where design can often totally trump AI. And that's where sometimes the AI doesn't pay off. And when you're thinking about designing these like procedurally generated narratives or um, even procedurally generated worlds, I think design is a huge component. And I think it's going to take... um, Someone who can express their creativity through AI. So someone who can speak writer and speak programmer to really (laughs) combine those and have a good experience. I think it's going to be very hard to get that, but I think it'll just take more um, interdisciplinary understanding uh, in the future. That's really interesting. So let's speak in hypotheticals for a moment. Mm -hmm. There's a a small team, a small indie dev team that wants to create, you know, something much smaller in scope than Breath of the Wild, but something with similar ideas. Where do they even start? You know, what would you recommend to those people who are trying to figure out how to approach a project like this? Do you have an idea of, you know, what might be the most effective way to begin? I mean, once again, I'm not sure if I'd be qualified to be hired as a consultant. <laughs> sure, <laughs> no sure, more. sure. And I'm picking your brain yeah. uh, just for, no, for totally, your personal opinion. I, I totally get it. Um, I mean, it's such a new field, too, that I'm sure a lot of people would like to know the answer to that question who are currently actually <laughs> working on those projects. Of course. Um, I guess... I guess even even thinking about the question now, it, it sounds so big because I think you have to really think in concrete terms, what is your gameplay? And at this point, video game can mean so many different things. It could mean it's primarily a story. It's primarily, you know, an RPG versus a shooter. And how you're going to generate a narrative for that is going to be completely different. Like you have to be very explicit about like what are actions the player can take, what properties do objects have? Like that's a, like it's it's a really big endeavor. Um, you know, thinking about how everything interacts with each other. I'm just I'm just thinking through it. No, and maybe that's one of the points I'm trying to get to is that yeah, when you look at this, okay, we're gonna make this game where you can do this, this, and this, and all of these different things happen. 
it does sound so big, right? But mm-hmm. then you, you know, in your response, you're kind of like, so break it down into, you know, what is this at its core? What is, you know, the skeleton of this, the, you know, decisions the the player can make, the actual actions that a player can make that affect the things around them, you know, that's a place to start. Um, you know, really, it just is so many indie developers go and think, all right, this is the game I'm going to make. This is my dream game. This is, you know, this amazing idea that I have. But it's so big. How how do I even start? Where do I begin? Um, you know, how do I begin to climb the mountain that is this massive project that I know can be good? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I don't know, my best advice for any project is to think of the absolute smallest thing that someone could press start and get some kind of like finished state, like whether that's a game over or victory. Um, just think of the smallest example that gets across uh, the feel of what you're going for and then complete it. Um, I think that's that's where you'd have to start. And I think as soon as you start getting granular, you start realizing what just sounds cool and maybe what's actually possible. <laughs> no, that makes total sense. And of course, if people out there are looking for something small to mess around with, some place to start, they can of course go and check out the videos at The Happy Cat on YouTube <laughs> uh, and check out some of your uh, tutorials and um, listen to you you know, talk about, you know, all these different aspects of game design, which is fantastic. So, um, you know, thank you so much for allowing me to challenge you a little bit and, and talk about some big things that I know you don't necessarily feel qualified for, but um, I think you have <laughs> fantastic opinions on them. So I really do appreciate it. Thanks so much. It was great talking to you. Yeah, of course. Well, before I let you go, um, at the end of every episode, I do ask my guests to share a piece of advice. Now, you've already shared a couple pieces of advice, which, you know, isn't surprising on the Indian Insider anymore. When we talk about things, our guests are usually mm-hmm. fantastic people who are crazy about helping other aspiring game developers grow. Um, but do you have anything else that you would like to send people home with today? Uh, I guess lately what's been on my mind is that hard work isn't very sexy. (laughs) And what I mean by that is, and this could maybe only apply to me, but hopefully other people relate, is that sometimes you can get caught up thinking, for example, let's say you want to read more, you might think, oh, I want to go to a library or be surrounded by books or be in a certain environment or um have a certain feeling and you think about all this extraneous stuff, but it's just like, no, you should just go over to your bookshelf, pick up a book and just start reading it. Like do the thing that you're kind of um, avoiding doing or that you're overthinking. And so same with games, like don't play games and just analyze them. If you want to make one, just sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to try as, as I just mentioned before, the simplest possible version of my idea um so don't get too caught up in all of the um of looking too far ahead in the future and needing a certain um like needing very specific things just do the thing that you need to do um i i like uh in one punch man the way he had this one punch to 
that could destroy any monster was just by doing a hundred push-ups, a hundred sit-ups and running every day. Like it was nothing that crazy. <laughs> that's, that's what I like to, to say to myself. Sure. Well, I, I really like that idea of uh, starting with the one simplest thing and building out from there, having something to begin with. Um, I think that's a really nice idea. And I think that's applicable to a lot of things, even outside of game development is, you know, kind of what we were just talking about with this huge game, this, this mountain of a game that you want to make, you have to start somewhere. And, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's in a career, whether it is, you know, <laughs> being able to do a hundred pushups, I mean, you know, start with something that is, you know, tangible. Um, I just, mm-hmm. I just like that idea, Anne. So thank you very much for sharing. Yeah, thank you. Do you want to go ahead and share with people how they can find you out on those interwebs uh, if they want to follow your work? Sure. Um, So on YouTube, I am The Happy Cat, and I believe on Twitter as well, I am The Happy Cat, and I post most often on those platforms. So you can find all my other stuff there. (laughs) Great. Nice and easy. I like it. Do Do you own a cat? I do, and she's sleeping behind me. I just adopted her a couple months ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Did you have a cat when you came up with the happy cat name, or do you just like cats? Yeah, I had one. Um, I guess that's the thing. I'm not so obsessed with cats, or like, I just recently redid my logo, and my number one rule for it was no equals three kind of face, like no cutesy, like, sure. like kitty type thing. <laughs> um, more like, like fulfilled cat, that kind of happy. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm actually looking at it right now, it is kind of fulfilled. Right? It's got, <laughs> I, can, I can imagine this cat purring, you know, kind of on the counter with the ball It has conquered many worlds. Anne McLaughlin. <laughs> also known as The Happy Cat. Thank you for joining us this week. Again, if you have thoughts, questions, or ideas you'd like to share, you can email me at logan at blackshellmedia.com or reach out on Twitter at Logan A. Schultz. That's L-O-G-A-N-A-S-C-H-U-L-T-Z. This podcast is presented by Blackshell Media, a publishing and marketing firm dedicated to helping independent video game developers reach massive audiences, publish financially successful titles, and turn game development into a career. It's the company's mission to help game developers get more of what they want out of a rewarding opportunity in the game industry, more fans, and sustainable revenue to keep them moving forward. Blackshell Media also has an educational branch to their company, where they offer free articles and resources for aspiring and growing developers, which is why we get to bring this show to you every single week. You can find Blackshell Media on the web at blackshellmedia.com and on Twitter at BlackShellMedia. This show is on iTunes, Google Play, and other podcast services across the web, as well as the Blackshell Media blog. If you enjoy what we're doing here and want us to keep doing it, or if you have things you'd like us to change, please go to your favorite podcast provider and leave us a review so that we can keep sharing these episodes each week with you. Special thanks this week goes out to Raghav Mather, Daniel Doan, and Raquel Hayner, as well as Benjamin Tiso over at bensound.com for the use of his song, Going Higher. I'm Logan Schultz, and you've been listening to Indie Insider. We'll see you next week.